Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. See, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome into the Action Network podcast. We are presented by our friends at BetMGM, the king of sports books. It's time for NFL Best Bets Super Wild Card Weekend. In the National Football League, we have two analysts this week. A little shorter show. We have Brandon Anderson and Anthony DeBundo of the Action Network. Brendan Glasheen, your host. If you are watching us on the video side on YouTube, great. Appreciate it. Subscribe to our YouTube page for all of our Action Network content throughout the course of this NFL postseason. Hit subscribe, like the video. And also, if you're listening, you've probably done so already if you've been with us from the beginning. But if you're just hopping in for the postseason, please leave a five-star rating and review and uh, on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen. So we appreciate those. We take a look at those. All your feedback is welcomed. Don't forget you can find DeBundo and Brandon individually in the free award-winning Action Network app. Anything else they might be on throughout the course of the postseason. They might add something later in the weekend because of line movement, etc. news. Uh, you can also find us in the Action Network Discord server. I know Sean Kerner was in there a ton week 18 with all of the guys getting ruled out. He's just a great example these other guys, DeBundo hops in there, Brandon too, from time to time. So hop in, chat it up with some of the experts uh, and other gamblers. Tough end of week 18. It's always a tough week. Three and six. Uh, but the show for the year is 94 and 83 when you include our uh, Brandon's look aheads. DeBundo had a look ahead a few weeks back during Christmas week. So without further ado, let's dive in. We're going to go in chronological order of the games. DeBundo's got a pick on the first game of the weekend. Houston, the AFC South champion hosting Cleveland, the first wild card team. DeBundo, where are you going here? Yeah, so I was hoping this would get to three, and, and there were briefly some threes in the market, and now it's down to two and a half and heading toward two. So I don't think we're going to get those threes. But I'm going to take Houston here with the points in this matchup. I, I think that you know we've gotten a little bit too insane on what this Cleveland offense is with Joe Flacco off of the back of five games. Like, Let's keep in mind that, yes, Joe Flacco has played five games. He's thrown eight interceptions. His turnover-worthy play rate is, you know, suggests he should have about eight interceptions in five games. And I just don't really trust them. You know, you're going on the road in a playoff game. I understand that this is a rookie Houston team, rookie quarterback, rookie coordinator, rookie head coach. All of those reasons to be a little bit like skeptical of them. And and given the fact that they were a little bit fortunate last weekend on the road in Indy, but I think. The, the mythology of Joe Flacco has gotten way out of hand here. And I think the market is clearly overvaluing him. This Cleveland defense has not traveled nearly as well as it's been at home. You know, you look at their numbers, their sacks are cut in half when they're on the road. Uh, and you also saw the Houston offensive line have a ton of problems with procedural stuff last week in Indy. 
I think them getting like a basically playoff game under their belt last week on the road helps them now as they come home here. Noah Brown returned to practice today. Uh, so, you know, maybe it just won't be just Nico Collins. And then the Browns injury report is also concerning. Denzel Ward went down today in practice, did not practice as a result of the injury. So it was significant enough. And his status is now really up in the air for this game on Saturday. Quick turnaround uh, for them. Houston, I know that Cleveland didn't really play all their starters, but it is an extra day of rest for Houston as well, relatively speaking. So I just think this should be close to a pick em. I think Cleveland's the better team. But keep in mind, Cleveland closed minus three and a half in Houston with Case Keenum. You know, three weeks ago, and, and I know you know yep. they dominated the game and and deserved to win. Of course, like in hindsight, yes, three and a half was probably short, but now it's just two and a half, and I think that kind of gets to the point of just how much there's been inflation on this Cleveland team in general, uh, and I think it's good to play against that. So uh, I think everybody's kind of penciled Cleveland in. They're the dark horse, the team nobody wants to play. Everybody's betting them futures. Uh, I'm going to pump the brakes on that and say, hey, look, like this team ran really good in close games. They've got a quarterback whose basically whole strategy is to make a ton of mistakes and make a ton of big plays. And I'm going to take the much more steady quarterback, which is CJ Stroud uh, at home here. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the quarterback change. And you know, Sean Kerner from our predictive analytics team, he'll often map out the difference to the spread and the quarterback and the fact that it's only moved or it hasn't really moved all that much uh, with the transition from Mills slash Keenum to CJ Stroud is alarming. That was also the game when they played each other Christmas week when we saw Amari Cooper go for 265 through the year. I would think D'Amico Ryan's a former secondary coach. They will make the adjustment in that game too. Uh, Brandon, let's move on to Kansas City and Miami. Neither of you have an actual official pick on this game, but you do have some leans, some things you're keeping an eye on. Brandon, where are you at with Chiefs Dolphins? That is Saturday night on Peacock. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, you know, Pe- Peacock, big winner. They get probably the most anticipated game of the weekend, right? Chiefs Dolphins, I think, is the one that certainly I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be cold. Like, uh, I'm up here in my North Dakota bunker, and I I feel like I'm ready at the game. <laughs> like, it's it's high of one degree, I think, right now for kickoff, a Saturday night. It looks windy. You've read all about, of course, Tuatega Vailoa. Grew up in Hawaii, played in Alabama, you know. The fact that Miami can't play cold weather games, I'm not really sure I buy that. Like Miami's got players from all over the nation, but the quarterback thing, the gripping the ball and making those plays, that does matter. I believe his uh, highest or lowest degree win ever is 48 degrees from Black Friday uh, when they beat the Jets in that game and obviously got, you know, the the fail Mary and some wonky stuff in there too. So yeah, I, I have a hard time with this game. The line feels suspiciously high for the Chiefs, like four and a half. If Miami was healthy, I honestly think Miami's a better team. So I would put Miami as a favorite, but Miami's not healthy, and we got the cold weather, and we got the road thing, and the Dolphins have been, you know, not good. Not good at all against good teams here. I think they are one and five with a minus 91 point differential against playoff teams. So one of those games was the Chiefs. We saw that game happen already. I do wonder if that's going to maybe give Steve Spagnuolo a leg up that you've already got to play this offense. You got to prep for it. The stuff I like best about Miami is the stuff that's hurt. Like that's, I, I like their speed, but we don't know what monster it's going to look like if he'll play in HN. We don't know if the receivers are good to go or how good they are to go and the secondary. Uh, obviously, Miami's pass rush, their top three guys are all out now. So, 
Kansas City, I think, you know, Patrick Mahomes has not been his usual, but probably gets to, you know, stand back there and do his thing. I don't have a side on the game. If I had a pick here, I'm under. Uh, a lot of under trends here. You mentioned yep. the weather, the cold weather. Uh, under out, Outdoor unders, 41 and above, total 41 and above in non-division wild card around games, 29 and 9 to the under, 76%. So that's a good under trend. Chiefs are 12 and 5 to the under. If I make a pick, and obviously I will in my every game, every team article this week, my top play here is actually just the second half under. DeBundo, I know you've been on Chiefs second half unders a lot this season. Chiefs went 15 and 2 to the under in the second half. Dolphins were 12 and 5 to the over in the first half. I don't know if that really plays here. I'm not sure we're going to see a lot of scoring, but why not just chunk that out of there and get the second half? And I could see, you know, Chiefs get a bit of a lead and just a lot of Pacheco runs, cold night, like four yards straight up the middle, run the clock. Honestly, I think Miami runs the ball a lot this game too. That's probably their best path, so that moves the clock. So I do like the under, if anything, and I'll go with the second half under 21 and a half, but just a lean, not one of our official picks today. Yeah, I wrote in my better pass column uh, on Tuesday that I liked Kansas City up to minus 200. There has been no market resistance on Miami all week. Like every Kansas City bet, they've just kept moving the line and moving the line, and there has been no buyback. Uh, I'm a little surprised by it because you tend to see sharp buyback against these injury slash spot related moves, which is essentially what it is. I mean, you can't find a power rating system that would tell you Kansas City should be laying four and a half to Miami. But when Miami had to play 73 snaps on Sunday night, right on the road, you know, at home, and then had to travel to Kansas City to the cold on a short week with all of the wear and tear on that defense, Buffalo went up and down the field Sunday night. Meanwhile, Kansas City kind of had a bye week. I mean, they were they played the Chargers, but they rested a lot of key guys. Uh, and they, they basically didn't probably prep at all for the Chargers. So I, I think that there's an element of like rest situational and injury advantages that all favor Kansas City in a major way. You also have the playoff experience factor. The weather, I think, matters. Tua played pretty well in the snow game last year in Buffalo uh, back in December of last year. Like he played fine. The offense moved the ball. But again, like with Hill and and Waddle not being right, they don't really have like a third receiver or a tight end that they used. So I think there's some real questions about this Miami offense and, and uh, Spagnuolo is as good of a game planner as any of the defensive coordinator. So I think the Dolphins offense has major problems here and the defense has faced one of the three easiest schedules of opposing offenses in the whole league. So I think there's some real holes there and, and we've seen it the last two weeks. I mean, Baltimore and Buffalo offensively are operating at a higher level than Kansas city, but Miami's defense had no answers for either. Uh, it was only really just Josh Allen mistakes that kept Miami in that game despite getting outplayed. While not officially a bye week, Andy Reid off a bye historically is also very good. They didn't play starters in their last game against the Chargers, only a handful of losses to in a 30-game sample size. Um, so that's something to keep in mind, too. And Travis Kelsey's receiving yard prop has come up a little bit. It was at 56.5. Now it's closer to 60. And then the Pacheco line has actually come down a few yards during the week. It's come down to 64.5, which I found interesting because I agree with Brandon. This feels like a Pacheco game. And I would I would lean under too, and you get that key number of forty four to forty four and a half some places. So there's your KC Miami breakdown on Peacock. Hopefully you know where to find it if you are not going to buy it uh, on Saturday night. All right, let's move on. Let's go to Sunday. Let's go to Sunday. Bills taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Brandon, I opened my phone Sunday night after the Bills beat the Dolphins. 
I got distracted. I think I saw the news come on because I've got snow here in Boston. And then, boom, all of a sudden, seven and a half turns into eight and a half. Then eight and a half turns into nine and a half. And now it's up at 10. Buffalo minus 10 against the rah-rah or maybe a blah-blah. <laughs> Mike Tomlin spot this week. Where are you at, Brandon, for Bills and Steelers? Yeah, this is not rah-rah. Rah-rah is done. Rah-rah doesn't work on, on in the road as well. It's be- better in the division. It's better after a loss. This is none of those things. Give me the Bills minus 10. Look, I said in that Twitter storm you're talking about, Brandon, right as the game was finishing up, I was ready. Whoever Pittsburgh got, I was ready to pounce on whoever they were playing, the first line that came out. I said, grab the best Bills line you can. I got the seven and a half. Then it jumped to 10. That's huge. Like, we lost a field goal of value. I still like the Bills. We lost a touchdown on the total the following day with the crazy weather that's presumed to come in Buffalo. And I was like, man, can't take the Bills anymore. I still like the Bills. So I think actually... The weather here, maybe a season or two ago, would have pushed me off of this because Buffalo wasn't built for it quite as well. But late this season, they've kind of become a team that Pittsburgh would really be proud of. Their defense and they're a power run team. That's what the Bills have become more of. Their defense has been better at home. Pittsburgh all season long has been a slow starting team. That doesn't seem like a great formula as huge underdogs on the road in a playoff game. I just have a hard time imagining how is Pittsburgh going to move the ball here? How are they going to score some points? We've watched them the last few weeks and Mason Rudolph, maybe you can put up a few points on uh, Cincinnati and uh, I forget the other team he scored some points on, uh, but against Baltimore, they barely even move the ball at all. They need to get some help there against a lot of Baltimore backups too. So Tomlin, not really super aggressive. I just don't see Pittsburgh scoring a lot here in the bills. The power run game has been good. We talked about this on the podcast last week. James Cook has been unleashed. They've been a top eight rushing and passing DVOA team the last six weeks this season. Their run frequency is way up since they made the coordinator change. And so I think Buffalo especially dominates this game. In a weather game, where do you got to pay attention? In the trenches. And that's why I like Buffalo is in the trenches. And most particularly, why I wanted to fade Pittsburgh instantly is because T.J. Watt is out, and T.J. Watt out means I'm betting against Pittsburgh. Last six years, when T.J. Watt is on the field, the Steelers lead the league in sacks. When he's not on the field, since drafted, the Steelers are 1-10 straight up. And listen to how stark the contrast is. Two years ago, Watt only missed two games. So small sample, I know. With Watt on the field, the Steelers were 13th by DVOA. With him off the field, they were 30th. They dropped to the third worst defense. And if that's not enough sample for you, let's go to last year. Watt missed seven games last year. They went one and six without him. Still finished over 500 because Mike Tomlin, in the games with Watt on the field, Pittsburgh was the number one run defense. Hey, that matters in this power run game. They were number two defense overall by DVOA. When he left the field in seven games, they dropped to 31st by DVOA defensively. They went from second best to second worst. That's the T.J. Watt effect. I think he is effectively the defensive MVP if we had an award like that for the impact he has on this team on the field. So I was ready to fade whoever Pittsburgh is going to play. A few trends for you here. Wild card round hosts, that's Buffalo, that made last year's playoffs facing a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. 21-9-1 against the spread, 70% 
So you want the experience here. Again, another experience stat. You've heard this uh, from Stucky on Six Pack. Quarterbacks making their first playoff start against an experienced starter, 17-35-1 ATS, 33%. Obviously, this is Mason Rudolph's first start here. And then if you're worried about the high spread, perhaps you shouldn't be. Not this round. Wildcard round. Home favorites of nine or more. 9-1 and one ATS the last two decades. So not a huge sample, but we've had now three years where we got the seven seed in, right? We expanded the playoffs. We added the extra team. The Steelers aren't supposed to be in the playoffs as of a few years ago. They're just the extra spot now. How have those teams done? They're 0-6. They've covered twice out of six. They've lost by an average of 12 points a game four times by 12 or more. So I think that's what we get here. Steelers have struggled to even get on the board. They've had 18 points in 10 games this season, 18 or less, including six of their last eight. So we might only need like 20 Buffalo points to get past the spread here. Buffalo has five wins by 21 or more. 31 of their last 44 wins have been by double digits. So I'm not intimidated by the high line. As long as Josh Allen doesn't do the Josh Allen stinker thing, I think the Bills win. And when they win, I think it's big. So give me the Bills minus 10. Well, as you know, I'm a weather I'm a weather enthusiast. Yes, so I need to put I need to put my weather hat on because I think it's really important here because I don't think we may have found the bottom of this total. It sounds crazy, and it's still a little early. But like it's Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, we're recording this right now. There's going to be a, a major low pressure system up in Quebec, which is the definition of textbook lake effect snow, right? And the band of snow being to bundo behind the green screen. If you're watching. Yeah. I I wish I had one here. Like we're talking like (laughs) 20 to 30 mile an hour winds sustained. And we're also talking about blizzard conditions for this game. If the lake effect snow is over Buffalo, when the game actually kicks off right now, the modeling is suggesting it's going to be over Buffalo in the morning on Sunday. And then maybe shift a bit to the South as we get closer to kick. It's very, very fine though. And the difference between a full on blizzard and like just generally windy conditions is a pretty big difference to the football game. And I really can't get to Buffalo here with that with that uncertainty because I know that they have a you know a run game now, but if you just can't throw effectively, really, it's going to be really hard to, to lay 10 because Pittsburgh can run it too. So that's just my only concern right now. And that's why I have not bet a dime on this game yet. I'm going to be closely monitoring the weather, you know, follow me on Twitter. I'll have a tweet or something or, or something, but uh, it's, it's, Really fascinating uh, how bad it could get for Sunday, and I'm excited for it. The other game, Brandon, you were thinking of was Seattle when somehow Pittsburgh got to 30 right. points against the Seattle Seahawks. Right. In what was Cincinnati and Seattle game. are like the two of the five worst defenses in the NFL right now. Right. Yeah. So. I, I mean, I think, I think it's genuinely I, possible. To, to, the, the way that, that Rudolph and the Steelers will probably struggle to move the ball in this game I think the Steelers may well score like three points, six points, something like that. And and field goals, who knows? We might not get field goals in the game either, depending on how bad the weather is. And we've seen a lot of right. times where the Steelers stall in field goal range and keep kicking the field goals. That's why that Ravens game was kind of hung around for a while, even last week. So if you can't kick field goals once you stall, I just trust, you know, with Buffalo, you get the power run game if necessary. I know it didn't work for us last week. I was on the Josh Allen power touchdown run. We didn't get it. But if I got to have a quarterback that, first of all, needs to throw in the weather, Josh Allen can throw through the wind. He can make that throw. I'm not taking Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett out there in, the, in if you need to make a throw. And if I need it, I'm going to run up the middle. It ain't going to be with Mason Rudolph. I'm going to get Josh Allen. Just give me that power run game over and over. So I do think 
that the weather is it's not ideal if it was a, a clear weather game i'd feel better about this but i still feel fine with it, even with the the terrible north dakota weather that has spread to other places <laughs> yeah if it was indoors i'd lay 10 in a second but it's unfortunately it's not and I would say, too, three years ago when T.J. Watt and the Steelers went to Kansas City, he had the scoop and score for a touchdown. So even with Watt, they put the pressure on immediately, scored in the first quarter, and then they only ended up scoring. They had like a backdoor touchdown in the fourth quarter, not a backdoor. Like they scored late. So for all intents and purposes, they only scored like one touchdown in that game after the Watt score. Uh, and he's not playing in this game. So there you go. There's your breakdown for Bills and Steelers. The Saturday, pardon me, Sunday afternoon game on Fox features two of the most historic teams in the league. You've got the Packers, DeBundo, taking on the Cowboys. The line's back to seven. There were some seven and a halfs out there. Green Bay plus seven. Totals at 50 and a half. Green Bay, you're darling. You've been watching them now for a long time in this second half of the season. Where are you at on the Packers and the Cowboys? Mike McCarthy against his former team. Well, Green Bay has become one of my favorite watches in the league. Uh, yeah. You know, way back in week seven when I was like, I don't really know about the Packers. I tuned in just at the right time. So you're welcome, Packers fans. Uh, I tuned in just in time for Jordan Love to take the leap, improve his accuracy and his mechanics, and become what has been a top five quarterback in the second half of the season by EPA per play and by success rate. This offense is humming. They're really young. So you can kind of say, well, they started slow. They've had some injuries, but they've figured it out here. Elite offensive line and pass protection. Uh, managed those injuries. Found a ton of young guys. Very versatile. So Dallas can't really just take away one or two people. It's kind of the whole whole thing. I like Lafleur as a game planner. And I think this Packers offense is executing at a top five or six level right now. And I think Dallas is too. And I don't really see a ton of stops here for these defenses. First of all, Green Bay's only chance is pass rush. I really don't think uh, that, that the, the, the pass rush is going to really impact Dak too much because he's been getting the ball out so fast. This Green Bay defense is a sieve. I mean, let's think about that run they had. And I know they played pretty well against, you know, Jaron Hall and, and Justin Fields to end the season. But they gave Tommy DeVito by far the best game of his career. Bryce Young, by far the best game of his career. And Baker Mayfield, the best game of his season. In three straight weeks, they won NFC Offensive Player of the Week three straight weeks against this team. And quite frankly, like they don't cover the middle of the field. They're not good against quarterbacks who can use their legs, which Dak can to extend drives. And what's the avenue for them having any success defensively here? I don't really see it. So I think this is a back and forth game. I like the over 50 and a half. Dallas, you know all the stats about how good they've been at home. Everybody's told you that offensively. Uh, But I do think Green Bay can score with them. I I lean toward Green Bay on the side. Uh, At seven, I wouldn't bet it. At seven and a half, I think it's something that I would bet. Uh, but I like the over more ultimately. And I think Green Bay probably loses like a 30 to 24 kind of game, but I think it's going to be very competitive down the stretch. And uh, I do like the over. Keep in mind, you know, for all that's been made of the Detroit defense, Detroit played at Dallas two weeks ago, the total close 52. That's where I think this should be. Both offenses in the Detroit and Dallas game moved up and down the field the whole game. There was just a lot of like red zone weirdness that happened and fumbles and turnovers on downs. I think we're going to see a lot of points here. So give me the over 50 and a half. And I'll be rooting for the Packers to uh, make it close. And actually, for my Lions future, maybe I should be rooting for the Pack to pull off the upset. Dallas team total at 29 and a half. And the Packers hovering in that three touchdown range, 21, 21 and a half. Brandon, let's go to Sunday night. Another revenge spot. Two quarterbacks facing their former teams. Matthew Stafford goes back to Detroit to face the Detroit Lions, led by Jared Goff, the former quarterback of Sean McVay. 
and that to me is like where I I pick apart this game. Sean McVay's got the understanding of what Jared Goff's weaknesses are. And Matthew Stafford did not play for Dan Campbell during his time uh, with the Lions. So uh, where are you? You're going to take a little bit of a different approach. Where do you land on this revenge game? Yeah, it's a similar approach, but it's a slight pivot. So I did this game on the hot read and I took Rams plus three and a half, but we're now down to a plus three. That's the key number. Obviously, you lose the hook there. I would still go Rams plus three. Uh, That's the direction that I would lean for sure. I think they have a chance to win the game outright, a good chance. But I'm going to pivot a little bit with that hook line move. I'm going to take the Rams team total over. So over 24 and a half. And in the hot read, I kind of talked about what you just said, Brendan. I'm worried about Jared Goff. And is he going to score against Sean McVay, against Raheem Morris? Raheem Morris wasn't there was a really good defensive coordinator. And if anybody knows Jared Goff's weaknesses, it's Sean McVay, who, who who literally broke up with him and dumped him to bring in a quarterback who could win the Super Bowl. And hey, it worked out pretty well. And Sam Laporta, probably not going to play this game. Maybe not Khalif Raymond, because Detroit, because they are who they are, went hard in a mostly meaningless game last week, and those guys got hurt. So I don't know if the Lions score. They might, though, because I have a lot of confidence in Ben Johnson. My uncertainty about how much Detroit scores is why I'm pivoting to just the Rams team total, because I am confident the Rams are going to score. And that's just the the angle that I'm going to go with here. Another high total here, 51 half and rising. We're going to see a lot of scoring. The Rams, when they've had their four offensive stars healthy, have been a juggernaut offensively. Matt Stafford, Kyron Williams, just a breakout stud at running back. I think finished top three in rushing yards, even though he missed like a month of the season. Cooper Cup, obviously rookie Puka Nakua. When those four guys are on the field, Rams have gone over this number seven out of eight games that they've played this season. They've averaged 20 and a half points a game. They are the number two offense by DVOA behind only the 49ers with those guys on the field. And initially there was two games and then there was a stretch where Kyron missed. And now they've had, since the bye week, six games in a row, not counting last week because they mostly all sat against San Francisco. In that six-game stretch, 31.3 points a game, at least 26 every one of those games. Since the bye week, the Rams are 7-1. and one. The only loss was an overtime game to Baltimore, the team that we all know has been the hottest team down the stretch. So Lions defense, their run defense has been pretty good. And I think that matters a lot here against Kyron Williams, but they have been gashed at times, especially against top offenses. They've allowed at least 24 over half of their games. And the Rams obviously are going to be one of the better offenses that they've faced. One of my favorite trends this round is fading home teams like Detroit that missed last year's playoffs. Those teams are 13 and 29 ATS, 31%. So I I do like the Rams here. I'm not off of my hot read just as it moved off the three and a half. I'm going to pivot to the thing I'm most confident in, which is the Rams scoring. I think the Rams get some points. Maybe Detroit does too and does enough to get there, but just give me the Rams over 24 and a half on Sunday Night Football. All righty. Excellent. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Let's move to Monday night. You both have angles here. Eagles sliding. Eagles went under their season total, uh, season win total under. At 11 and a half, they finished with 11 wins. They lost five of six to close out the year. There are three-point favorites in Tampa. Totals at 43 and a half now. It's, you can see some 44s, some 43s, 43 and a halfs. Bundo, you first. Eagles going to figure this out or what? That's a great question. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I think generally speaking. We've been waiting for a get-right game for a month and a half. Right. Yeah. And uh, it looked like it was going to be that Christmas game against the Giants. And then you looked up and all of a sudden the Giants were driving for the tie, right? With uh, right. Tyrod Taylor coming in. The thing is, you know, I think all of us and especially Brandon and I have kind of been like, okay, obviously the Eagles aren't as good as 10 and one indicates, but I don't even think Brandon who has kind of dubbed himself as top <laughs> Eagles hater ever saw it getting this bad. Last year's and, Viking. It's good. But, and honestly, like defensively, they're worse than last year's Vikings right now. And that's what's so scary about right. the bet that I'm, that I have already made and the bet I'm recommending here, uh, which is the under uh, 44 points because the Eagles defense in the first 12 to 13 weeks of the season was pretty good on early downs, tough to run on, really bad on third down, and they got exposed by some really good quarterbacks. And you could say, okay, yes, it's clearly a below average unit, but it's not a horrendous unit. But since that Seattle game, since Matt Patricia became defensive coordinator, they are the worst defense in the NFL in the last four weeks. They have looked yep. lost. Carter and Davis on the defensive line, the two rookies slash second year guy they've been relying on look out of gas and they look confused and they've made Kyler Murray and Terod Taylor look like Joe Montana and Tom Brady the last two weeks. So it, it is scary. I understand that. But there are some things to be encouraged about with this total being too high now. And it's all about injuries. Darius Slay missed the last four games. I know there's been some hand wringing about how he's lost a step, but his return is significant. He's still the best corner on the team. He's going to play this week. Avante Maddox is back in the slot. He missed. The, he played the last two games, didn't play well, but I do expect him to continue to play better as he gets back off that pec injury that he had. Zach Cunningham, his first game was, you know, he played about half the game last week, kind of getting his feet wet so he could be ready for the playoffs. He is their best linebacker. He is not a good linebacker, but he is their best linebacker. Uh, and they gave Fletcher Cox a week off in the middle of the defense as well, uh, kind of a veteran rest move. So this Philly defense can't be worse than it's been in the last four weeks. I know how bad it's been, though, and that's that's a little scary. But also the offensive injuries for these two teams. Baker Mayfield, if you watch the tape from the last two weeks, it is very evident that he is not healthy. They didn't score until the fourth quarter against the Saints. They didn't score a touchdown against Carolina. He missed a lot of throws he was making in the month before that, and he was playing great ball. I think there's clearly like a, you know, there's been reports of a rib injury that he was limping off the field on Sunday against Carolina. So that's an issue that, you know, he's dealing with. And then offensively for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts just said in his Thursday press conference, and he's, you know, that he hasn't thrown a football since the end of the Giants game. He was taken out at halftime. Sirianni made a comment today in his press conference that it was probably a mistake to send Hertz back in the game after the finger popped out. We're talking about a dislocated middle finger on the right hand of a throwing quarterback. That's a pretty significant thing, even if, you know, he's still going to play, which I do expect. If he can't throw right, that has major implications. A.J. Brown seems like he's fine, but Devontae Smith was in a walking boot after the Arizona game. He didn't play against the Giants. We don't know if he's 100%. And this Eagles offense is very much like stars and scrubs. Once you get past the first two guys, it's a very mediocre offense in terms of talent. And they rely so much on their skill players winning in the scheme that it just is very guardable. And then there's, of course, this Eagles versus the Blitz thing where Philly has been just incomprehensibly bad. 
against the Blitz this season. Uh, it's been a multiple-year issue for the Eagles. They have not been able to sort out the Blitz. They're the most Blitz team in the NFL. And this season, when blitzed, they are 27th in EPA per attempt on offense, Hertz's, and they're 19th in third down conversions. When they aren't blitzed, they're 6th in EPA, and they're 2nd in third downs. So this offense just kind of breaks when you blitz it. And Buffalo or Tampa Bay Bulls, he blitzes at one of the top rates in the league. So I, I think this total is too high at 44. I'm concerned about Hertz. I think they may go run heavy. Uh, and also it could be raining. So all this stuff, just hold your nose, pray for Matt Patricia. The pencil gods will save us uh, under 44. Okay. Pencil gods. Oh, Matt Patricia, the gift that keeps on giving. All right, Brandon, anything to add? Because I think you're going the same way. Brandon, wearing an Eagles jersey, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm wearing the Carson this Wentz is like, jersey. This is, this, this is quickly, this, this is like the opposite of Kerner. Like, Kerner will wear the hat. Now, sometimes he'll play like an under on a player prop, but more often than not, when Kerner wears a hat on a show, it's he's kind of backing that team in a way. And, and Brandon, I think, is doing the opposite. Look, it's Carson Wentz. This is for both of my picks here. Carson, great game on Sunday for the Rams. Maybe gets to play a little this weekend. My Rams team total over. I'm in North Dakota. My guy, Carson Wentz. And sure, it's green for a little Eagles. We'll go under. I'm a little down under where I'm in the, the trenches here making my picks today. It's it's a whole theme concept here. Not quite as clean as DeBundo's cheese head. Yeah, I'm on the under here. Under 44. This was my hot read. Under 45. In this case, I am not daunted by the line move. I'm happy to grab the 44. Get it if you can. Take 43 and a half if it's all that's left. I honestly think that this is still off by a few points. And I do think it's going to keep dropping, too. I don't see it going the other direction with the weather, with the possible injuries. Uh, so any other bad injury news, any other actual outright hurts news, if we got anything, can really only drop the line. These teams played in week three. It was 25 to three until late in the game. We got a garbage touchdown. So that was a, a an easy low under there. The, you know, DeBundo, you mentioned obviously all the Eagles defensive problems. I agree with all that stuff, but I'm not really that, that worried about the Bucks offense here. Their offense has been worse at home this season than on the road. It's been bad on early downs. It's bad in the first half. I'm not really sure the Bucks can take advantage of a lot of the flaws here. One of the things, too, is Tampa Bay's run offense is atrocious, and 70% of their runs go straight up the middle, basically up through the middle of the line. That's the one place where uh, Philadelphia's defense has been stout still, near top five there. You mentioned they gave Fletcher Cox the week off. Jalen Carter took the second half of the season off just to bring back Jalen Carter and our Will Anderson bet. One more plug for Will Anderson there. That is up the middle, though, the one spot where Philadelphia is still strong. Bucks defense, last six weeks, they're number six by DVOA. They're number one against the run. So if the Eagles have to go run heavy, this is not the team to do it against. Like Vita Vea, the Bucks, this is the run defense that you that for years has been really tough there. And then just to add to what DeBundo said on the blitzing thing, Todd Bowles in particular, Jalen Hurts has been awful against Todd Bowles. He's played three games against Todd Bowles. He's had three touchdown passes and five interceptions in those games. At least one pick every game. He's completed under 55% of his passes, barely over 200 yards. So Philadelphia passing really has been the one thing they've still done pretty well down the stretch. And if now you can't do that against Bowles and with the broken or whatever displaced finger and the injuries, 
I just don't know what avenues there are here. And uh, to me, I see a lot of avenues for under. Maybe the Eagles can't score. Maybe the Bucks can't score. Maybe it's just this, like, turgid, awful Monday night, like, 13-10 sort of game. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways we can get there. The Baker injury, the Hurts injury, obviously, were high on my list. And then let me just hit you with a few trends, as always. Bucks unders on the season, 11-6 and six to the under. Home underdog unders, you've heard that a lot. That's 60% to the under. Primetime unders, 60% to the under last five years. 54, 32, and 1 to the under on Monday nights. I mentioned under uh, earlier for outdoor games this round in the wild card. 41 or above is 29 and 9 to the under, 76%. And then if we keep dropping, grab it at 44. But if it gets below 44, Baker Mayfield games the sub 44 total, 24 and 11 to the under. He is one of our most profitable quarterbacks in the system there as well. So it's a lot of trends, a lot of unders. To me, this is one of those like, well, you know, on on the six pack episode, they do the Thursday night. Well, it's not the best game, but it's the only game. So we're going to be watching it. I think that's what we're looking at on Monday night. Honestly, we've been doing these NFC South unders all season long. The Eagles are so mid that they might just be an honorary NFC South team at this point. So just give me another NFC South under. Give me the Bucks under. The Eagles are along for the ride under 44. I would be shocked if either of these teams had a chance against, you know, in the next yeah, round. Yeah. yeah or and Dallas they, or even Detroit at this point. Yeah. Uh, right. It's pretty it, ugly. It, it, a lot of Eagles fans are just ready for the season to end. One more thing, you know, Tampa Bay, like their defense really struggled the middle portion of the season when the whole team was injured. Yeah. Uh, they have certainly trended up again since they've gotten healthier. Okay. And it, right. We don't know based on what happens in the other games if the Eagles or the Bucks would draw San Fran, but that. That ought to be interesting. What line you get there? Would that soar uh, beyond a 10 that we're seeing with Buffalo and Pittsburgh? No. Probably not, right? No. Eagles offense is still too good to catch 10. Fair enough. I'd like Way that. too good. I think they'd be under a touchdown well, against Dallas. And, and just just a quick look ahead for you as you think about a hot read or grabbing an initial line. No. In the wild card round, you want to grab a lot of these big home favorites. That's what the trends I've told you. Just from history, in the divisional round, you fade the big home favorites, especially by big lines against the spread. Not saying that they're going to lose, but those rested teams, the teams that we all know are the juggernauts that everyone wants to bet on. History says you typically fade those teams. So we'll have, I'm sure, some of those trends back next week. But just just a warning caution before you run out and grab those immediate San Fran and Baltimore lines. Or if you do, do grab the early line before it gets pushed up by all the other money coming in. All right. Very good. Before we get out of here, we've got a fun announcement. Action Network is throwing a wild card weekend watch party at the Shepherd and the Knucklehead in Hoboken, New Jersey. And you're invited. Stucky, Raybon, Kerner, Debundo. You're going, right? Debundo's going to be there. He should be included in this copy. Well, Debundo will be there as well. That's the that's the grand uh that's the main event. Simon and Chad from the Favorites Podcast will also be there. They're they're kind of important what they're doing, along with tons of others, folks from Action Network. The event is free. RSVP is free. Even the drinks are free. Wow. Doors are open at 4 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. For all the details on how to RSVP, check out the link in the episode description now before we're full. There you go. Hoboken, it's New all Jersey. Your, as Stucky said, it's all your favorite action personalities and Debundo. It's kind of funny, honestly. All right, that is going to do. Brandon's staying in the bunker. Brandon's going to be in the bunker and watching football all weekend, which is totally fine. Wearing who knows what jersey. That'll do it here on the Action Network podcast for our NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. 
Best Bets episode. Thanks to our friends at BetMGM for presenting the podcast. Don't forget to download the free award-winning Action Network app. Mention Discord, like the YouTube page, subscribe if you haven't, and your five-star ratings and reviews in the audio side of things is greatly appreciated. For DeBundo and Brandon Anderson, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Good luck. Enjoy the football. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.